Neither can live while the other survives. Another episode of Fun Fiction. Now, just, I mean, just a little forewarning, um, because you know, I, you know, I, my last name is Italian, and my last, my boss mispronounced my name in front of the mayor and his staff, and then uh, he got let go. So. What? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was fired for other reasons. He it was, <laughs> he was embezzling. Anyways. Anyway, it was all because of my last name, so just be careful. All right. That's all I'm saying. So welcome to Fun Fiction, a show about movies, media, and how the internet ruins it. I'm your host, Scotty Moore, joined this week by Ty Malagani. There it is. There it is. That's all you need to say. Probably the biggest Harry Potter nerd I know, I believe. Me too. I I don't know any other one besides myself either. Which is weird because I date someone who's a famously a Harry Potter nerd, but with you, you're my number one person to go to of like, yeah, this guy knows Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, some say it's an obsession. Didn't you have a Harry Potter cake at your wedding? I did. I did have a Harry Potter cake. That was my groom's cake. Oh, okay. Wait, so wait. Yeah. I didn't know you could have... No, it wasn't like the actual, like, the wedding cake wasn't Harry Potter. Yeah. Was... That might have, <laughs> might have been a little much. No, my groom's cake was Harry Potter. It wasn't an action figure of Hermione and Ron on the top of the cake, and you're like, this is it. This is what it has to be. <laughs> this is who it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy because uh, me and Brenna on the first episode we done on Harry Potter, we were very much like, we need to get Ty on because... Ty will rip you to shreds for talking shit on Harry Potter, and I'm happy I brought you on for this one, because I'm going to be honest, the fifth one may be probably not my first, because first is still Chamber of Secrets, but this is probably my second favorite of all of them, all of them so far. Yeah, no, you, you chose a good one for me, too. This is one of my favorites as well. This is actually surprising, because this is one of my favorites, not only the book... But the movie, too. The movie was very good. Like, it was paced. Like, that was the problem I had with the past two. They were paced kind of weirdly. Yeah, absolutely. Like, all of them have... And I, I brought it up in this film as well. But it always seems like near the end, at the point where the plot needs to be throw, like coming together, and you don't need to be interest, introducing anything else, there's always a scene that I've now dubbed the groppy scene, where... G- <laughs> <laughs> Where JK's just like, look, I know we've got all this other stuff going on. Voldemort's back. Umbridge is literally the devil incarnate. But here's Groppy for a few scenes. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta break it up a little bit. I mean, it can't all be doom and gloom all the time. Yeah, so you make a giant who, the whole time during that scene, I was just like, sloth love chunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a baby Ruth really would have added to that scene. <laughs> Ron pulls out a baby Ruth, gives it to him. Uh, I was thinking, like, I don't know what it was about this movie itself, but I kept, like, re-scoring it in my head as if, like, a major... Like, if Universal... Well, I guess, does does Universal make Harry Potter? Because I know they have the theme park. Yeah, I think that they uh, they own the rights okay. to the movies. But was, just to the movies. I don't think they own anything to the books or anything. Yeah, I, but I was just going to say, like, if they re-scored it and try to... You know when they try to make a book two just to Hollywood and they put in like garbage music to score over certain scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that during the film. Like with, <laughs> like when Harry's like training all of Dumbledore's army, I was playing space jam in my head. Nice. <laughs> like he's getting them. Come on and jam. What was the other? There was, I had a few of them. 
I've got a very long list of things to talk about, mostly the fact that Professor Umbridge looks like a bad Will Ferrell character. You know, I never thought about that before, but I think that's absolutely a good a spot on analogy. The, well, the first time I saw this film, I didn't watch it all the way through, but I was at Emily, my girlfriend's house, and we were mm-hmm. watching. I was asleep because I had the flu. I woke up, she was yeah. watching it, and I was like, what's Will Ferrell doing in Harry Potter? <laughs> and then I just fell back asleep. Um, so speaking of Umbridge, though. Yeah. In a post-Trump America, this film speaks volumes. It does take on a little bit more meaning. It does now, because she's just like, yeah. we must keep everyone silent about this. It's okay. We're just gonna... Everything Harry Potter's saying is fake news. I would have believed it if J.K. Rowling wrote the word fake news as an Umbridge line. So so what you're saying... What you're, what you're, uh, let me just make sure I, I got this. Um, you're saying that Fudge is Trump and Umbridge is Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Oh my... <laughs> <laughs> I was... Is that what you're saying? I was going to say Umbridge was Trump because it's impossible for me not to connect um, Fudge to Churchill. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they were so heavy-handed with it. Even the actor they cast, they were like, can you talk like him? And he's like, of course I can. <laughs> Let's do this. Oh, uh, uh, he just needed a cigar. That'd be, that'd yeah, be, be done. Has, I could have sworn Fudge smoked a cigar in one of the films, but... He might have. I mean, they changed him so much. I mean, he's just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Umbridge is a garbage human being. And the scene where Harry gets Bart Simpson and has to write, uh, what is it? I will not tell uh, lies. I will not. I must not tell lies. <laughs> and then it just starts appearing on his hand. And I'm like, oh, that's no, this isn't Trump anymore. This is Mike Pence territory that we're taking <laughs> on now. <laughs> This is the alter ego. This is the uh, the other side of the coin. Exactly. I wouldn't doubt, like, she would be like, we're going to send Harry to a wizard camp that's going to train him to no longer believe he's a wizard. But he was born that way. No, no, no. We're going to train him. We're going to get it out of him. (laughs) We're going to fix this child. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, the room of deus ex machina is my favorite plot point she's ever put in a book. Because apparently, I, I brought this up to Emily. I was like, if you're walking by that room and you just, like, have to piss, she's like, yeah, it'll be a bathroom. And I'm like, that's a big yeah. bathroom. That's actually the exact analogy they used in the book. Yeah, was if you walk by it and you're like, I gotta Dumbledore go. Dumbledore said that in the book. He said, I had to walk by and I had to piss. and Not, not <laughs> so eloquently. No. Not I, so eloquently. I, I prefer that. Well, children, old Dumbledore <laughs> was walking through. Had to take him a big deucer, and then the door appeared out of nowhere. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, great room. I I just need you to know that I love Snape, and I also hate Snape. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of people. Well, because... You know, I mean, it's, it's gonna, you're going to get more conflicted. Yeah. Just, well, it's not... Just be, be prepared. As someone who was on the internet back when that spoiler came out... Oh, uh, well, there you go. I'm aware of that happening, but at the same time, it's also the way she portrays him, because yeah. there are scenes where he's just like, Well, Potter, I'm going to go into your head, remove all of your thoughts about your horrible mother! And then there are scenes where he's like, And now I'm in a dress, and we're going to dance. Like, okay, buddy! yeah he's kind of hot and cold yeah so what what would you say what brings you to love i was about to call it phantom menace order of the phoenix so much well you know i think it was like 
I think it was partly whenever I first read the book. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the books initially. Okay. Uh, when I first read the book, I was in that prime angsty teen years that Harry's in. Yeah. And we, you know, we we had similar experiences. I really connected with him. I mean, Dark Wizard killed my parents too. And yeah. <laughs> We connected with a lot of things. and Which, by the way, when you're watching it as a grown-up, that angsty <laughs> thing doesn't appeal to you as much as you're like, just Not shut up. Not nearly as much. Like, just <laughs> shut up, Harry. Just stop. Yeah, because I remember reading the book. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I know, Harry. It sucks. And then now I'm like, all right, Harry, come on. Just grow up, dog. It's like, it's going to be all right. You're going to be fine. You're like, Harry, but calm no, down. I just love that. I, I don't know. I think this movie and book, this book and movie, to me, the reason I love it so much is it shows how human Harry is. Right. Like, he's not some perfect little kid anymore. Like, he messes some stuff up. Like, this is a, this is the turning point of that, of the meme of the first three books. He's like, yeah, I'm Harry Potter. Then for the rest, he's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm Harry Potter. This is the exactly. turning point. <laughs> this is that point. Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of things Harry does that's terrible... Could we just talk about the scene, and I'm going to have to go off the movie because I just did not have time to read the book. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. The scene where everyone else has left the room of requirement, it's just him and Cho. Oh, yes. Yes. And he walks up, and he's just like, you miss your, I I don't know why, but he's got that deep, like, you miss your boyfriend, don't you? You want to make out in front of his photo? (laughs) Yeah, like it's. I mean, he's an opportunist. It's the worst thing possible. I'm like, his photo is staring at you, Harry. You know that that that's pretty bad too. I also call into question the lack of hands. Wait, like they are, <laughs> their hands are straight down. Watch that scene again. Neither of them raise their hands. They don't like hold each other. They don't like. He doesn't go for like the push the hair behind the ear move. Like nothing. They just. And then they they choreograph their head rotating to turn to the other side. Watch it again. It's just I, I, uh, and if you, if you love cringy kiss scenes, it's a good one. Just look forward to the next one. Oh no, really? <laughs> look forward to number six. I'm excited to hear what it's you say like, about that. It's like old Danny Radcliffe didn't want to kiss her, and they're like, "Okay, I guess we're just gonna have to CG this." And they just took two CG models, moved them together, and tilted the heads. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think if I remember hear, reading or hearing something, I think it was either his or her, like, first kiss. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did read about yeah. that. Yeah, um, so I'm like, dang. Well, the worst part is also the follow-up scene where Harry is basically kissing and telling to his bros. And one of, right. one of his lines is, well, she was crying a little bit, you know, because of her dead boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, Harry, you're digging yourself into a hole that's getting deeper and deeper, my boy. Yeah, well, you know what? That does show like Ron's support. Yeah, like after all of that, Ron's just like, Nah, man, you're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Although, to be fair, the opening scene where Ron and Harry, I guess, lock eyes for the first time in this movie. I did have this thought of like, wait, do they hate each other or not? I can't remember because of the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, Harry was a little pissed at the beginning. Of this, well, I mean, a little pissed throughout the whole movie. Throughout the rest of the series, I'm assuming. The rest of the series, he's just a little pissed. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, I mean, I would, I would be a little upset, too, if my, if my best friends kept me in the dark all summer. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, I mean, no, be a little pissed. it's because you have Satan inside of your skull, Harry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Thanks, that. <laughs> um, also, uh, off topic, well, I'm not fully off topic, but Creature... 
the fucking worst thing on the planet, dude. Oh man, no, he gets he gets better. Really? Because I, well, Emily was like, of. he's the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think he he was just very adequately named. Yeah, he's just like, hey, what's up? I do like the foresight, though. I, I, obviously, if you didn't read the books, I don't know if you noticed this or knew of this, but creature is spelled with a K. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, it's like at least they like had the foresight to be like, oh, well, we're gonna make it a little different. We're not gonna like, until you have to say it out loud. Then you're like, oh, that's just creature. Yeah, that's just creature. Or then there are names like Hermione, where you could read it for years and be like, oh, Hermy One's coming in. Exactly, exactly. That's where I think that's really the the true mm-hmm. value of the audiobooks. Yeah, I, I just feel like this one is the closest. Like when people talk about like why Shakespeare is still relevant to this day, it's like, well, it's because it still relates to human things. This is the one that's the most relatable, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Because, I like, agree the serious Black and Harry scene is basically just talking about hu- puberty. Yeah. He's just like, something's in my head. It's making me do weird things. He's like, don't worry, <laughs> child. You're going to start growing hair in strange places. Seriously? Yeah. Am I a, were- am I a werewolf like you? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of great Harry serious scenes, how about that scene at the train station when Sirius is just like, they just decided, you know what? Let's not have Sirius wear actual clothes. Let's give him a dog-style robe Wait, to wear. Another thing I did not pay attention to. What? What? You must have been asleep during this part. You need to go back and watch this part. This is the weirdest part. So you know how, like, normal wizards, like, when they change from the animal back to their human form, they're just wearing their clothes they're wearing? <laughs> well... Either they decided not to do that this time or Sirius was doing some weird stuff and was in a hurry and he had to, like, get out <laughs> because he's, like, up in the train station. And the, the best part is he, like, has a picture of the Order of the Phoenix and he's like, here are your parents and me and Wormtail and Lupin. We're on the Order of the Phoenix. It's fun. I'm sitting here in my dog robe. <laughs> So wait, what you're proposing so is that not just as a dog, like, he's not just a normal dog. He's also a furry. Uh, that's what I mean. I'm wondering if he was just like super busy, yeah, and like for like lost track of the time, and he was like, "Oh, gotta get out of here." Oh well, I got. I probably won't turn back into a human until I get back home. And he forgot about the picture. Yeah, which just also begs the question: Where did he put the picture? Uh, it was in the dog's stomach the whole time. <laughs> he had to vomit it back up. Wait, wait. What if it's that he's not turning into a dog the whole time? It's when he turns back into a human, he's inside the dog, but really tiny. He's shrinking. <laughs> he shrinks and sits inside the dog. <laughs> yes. He pilots it like a mini dog mech suit. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a major twist, I think. That would, that would... This is my new favorite canon for this film, that Sirius yes. Black is essentially Krang, but wizard. <laughs> Oh, we all remember Black's battle against the turtles that knew karate. (laughs) Uh, I I will say this film has my favorite scene in any Harry Potter film so far. Yeah. Would you like to guess or, like, relent yours? Mm. Because mine's going to beat yours no matter what. Um, well, we've already discussed some of my favorite scenes. Mm -hmm. Um... I will say the scene at the end with uh, all of the Order of the Phoenix coming in like Power Rangers to oh yeah yeah, yeah. like showing up like with the, the white X- light that's a really dope scene but that's not that my favorite. Dope. My favorite mm. is when Dumbledore is getting uh, I guess he's getting arrested or whatever after they've caught uh-huh. his army. Which yeah. secondary thing? 
why call it Dumbledore's Army if you... They're like, why are you arresting him? Well, it's called Dumbledore's Army. Yeah, but he's not part of it. Why is it called Dumbledore's Army then? <laughs> Harry was like, I, I didn't want to call it Harry's Army. It felt a little too selfish. Yeah, well, I mean, he was he was a lot of he had a lot of introspection in this book, yeah, so, in this movie. So that's probably the reason. A little bit more humble. But anyways, the Dumbledore backs up and it's just like, well, you think that I'm going to go easy? Then. In a RuPaul Drag Race-esque stuff, like the most flamboyant move, claps his hands as a phoenix comes through and just disappears. It's baller. Oh, well, actually, to quote, oh, God, what's his name? One of the five black characters in all of these movies. Um, Oh, Kingsley Shacklebolt. Yeah, Kingsley. He just, like, leans over and is just like, Dumbledore got style. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Kingsley. I love you. He's he's a great character. I love Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, here was here was another one from the uh, from the Scotty Moore reboots this film series. Uh, <laughs> when the twins come in during the owls, and what is the the closest thing to me and Blake Tanner I've ever seen in a film? <laughs> um, when that when that happens in my version, Party Rock Anthem starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my idea for that. Um, that's great yeah. I love it I mean I love it. I, you know I think that you, you're you on to something here I think that you should go through all the movies and just do a new soundtrack yeah dude I love the twins so much they're probably my favorite characters in the entire film they're great they're great uh, no, I mean I, I did get something spo- well I knew about this so it wasn't technically a spoiler but spoilers ahead for those who are watching along with me I did get a spoiler from Emily when I was like, I feel like I'm both of them. And she goes, don't worry, you'll feel like you're just one of them by the end of the series. And I went, don't! Stop! Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cold. That's real cold. I was like, baby, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite parts is um is actually what is near the beginning. Uh when when Harry's just like sitting on a swing, Dudley and his gang come up. Yeah. And Dudley's just like the ultimate punk and is like where's your mom at yeah. <laughs> is your mom dead it was <laughs> Jesus, filmed, it was filmed so weirdly that i thought it was a dream yeah, it could have been it's like this has to be a dream there's no way it's not and she's like no it's real it's also when um the film goes from like normal color to like you know in the wizard of oz how it goes black and white to color when they go to oz Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they were taking you into the world of Harry Potter by having it look like the normal world for a few seconds. Then when the uh, Dementor shows up, it turns that faithful color of Harry Potter blue that all of these films take on. <laughs> that, I was like, oh, I forgot I was watching a Harry Potter film. But then they just turned that tent right up. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love that. I love that theory, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe a storm causes Harry Potter. It causes Harry Potter. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I I also reached a point near the end um, where, firstly, when I lost Sirius Black, I realized I don't have to do this anymore because fuck that. Very upset. (laughs) Yeah, that was a rough one. That was a rough one. It was very sad. But I also, I hate to say it, I started to kind of appeal to the Ministry of Magic because I'm like, the only person who says that Voldemort's back is Harry. He's the only person with any concrete evidence. Everyone else, it's all, you know, bugaboo. 
So to them, they're literally just being like, yeah, that's a child. It's just right. a kid saying this. Everyone calm down. And then, like, Hogwarts is going up uproarious because they just lost um, uh, Edward Cullen. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I'm all for, like, oh, yeah, we'll just send Umbridge and then she'll help calm everything down. The problem is they sent Umbridge. <laughs> Right, who who's the exact opposite of calming everything down? She's like, we're going to make everything a lot worse. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, it really is like an authoritarian government at that point. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, but you know what is not an authoritarian government? What's that? Oh, you've never been on this show, so you don't know what it's like when I have to plug things. Like, oh <laughs> yes, I love your plugs. Like Patreon.com slash load of BS. That's the website where you can support us. You can give us give us money, damn it, so we can afford people like Ty. I had to pay him five million dollars to get him away from his rigorous routine of improv comedy. <laughs> That's true. And watching Harry Potter. Yeah. Is it bad? I was halfway tempted to be like, I'm not going to tell him that he has to bring a fan fiction and then just force you to improv comedy a whole fanfic. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Uh, over the course of, what well, it was like a week and a half, I've been looking over some fan fiction. I never found any that, 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 that um, I really fell in love with until actually today. Oh, really? I actually was, I was very close to just being like, you know, I'm just going to wing it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, also, if you donate on patreon.com slash loadofbs, you, uh, you get access to our Discord and shout it out on the show of your choice every single week, like Joe Gennaro, the Patreon saint of fun fiction. So donate at patreon.com slash loadofbs. Now, Ty, you told me you've been yes. listening to the shows. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done, but it must continue. You know, you know it's something where... I've kind of fallen in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going back to the world of my immortal, unfortunately. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm actually looking forward to it. Like, So I've pretty much, I've binge listened to you reading my immortal. Yeah. And it's like, it's addictive. <laughs> it's a drug. <laughs> like I need some more. Um, I'm scared for it to end. I'm going to be honest. Well, I mean, last week we learned, or last time we learned that apparently Ebony Dementia Darkness Raven Way, who I think is Gerard Way's daughter, I don't know how she's related to Gerard Way, but I'm sure that's <laughs> in there somewhere, uh, that she's apparently the only one that can kill Voldemort. Right. Keep in right. mind, Harry. Which is a, it's a big responsibility. Well, not only that, keep in mind, Harry Potter does still exist in this universe. He's just called Vampire now. Right, right. Which, I mean, it, that might. I mean, it might be difficult for him now. I mean, it might be more difficult. What if What if it is, like, because I think Vampire and Ebony or Anobi, as she's called sometimes, maybe right. they had intercourse at some point and he transferred it to her. Now she's the oh. she's the girl who lived. I got you. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, I mean, that's, actually, I mean, if you think about it, they would be kind of like, wait, who, which, so who of them are Eskimo cousins or Eskimo, Eskimo brothers? Because it didn't, didn't. Didn't Vampire Harry and Draco? Yes, like, they did. They 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 they, they did some stuff, I'll, and then Draco and and Ebony did some stuff. So it's kind of like a transfer of power. Maybe it was like went through Draco. Oh, I like that. This yeah. is, See, this is what's fun about this. We've gotten to the point where we're dissecting this fanfic. This reminds me of the time that uh, I was on a long car trip and we listened to all of R. Kelly's "Trapped in the Closet" and started breaking that down piece by piece. <laughs> 
All right. Let, let's get into it, though, with All right. chapter – I'm excited. Uh, my favorite thing is this was reposted on fanfiction.net, and every single chapter he begins with, I don't own this, and I did not write this. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, chapter 23. The door opened, and Professor Rumbridge and Cornelia Fudge stepped out, stomped out angrily. Then Dumbledum and Rumbridge sawed us. Mr. Way, what the beep are you doing? Rumbridge shouted angrily. Dumbledore blared at her. Oops, she made a mistake. He corrupted her. She means, hi, everybody, come in. Well, we all came in angrily. So did all the other students. I sat between Darkness and Draco and opposite Bloody Mary. Crab and Goyle started to make some morbid jokes. They both looked exactly like Vilvalo. What? Okay. <laughs> I assume that's the lead singer of a band that I don't know. I, I ate, E-I-G-H-T, some Count Chocula, and drank some blood from a cup. Then I heard someone shooting angrily. I looked behind me. It was Vampire? He and Draco were shooting at each other. Vampire Draco, what the fuck? I asked. You fucking bastard, yelled Draco at Vampire. I want to shit next to her. <laughs> <laughs> I pray that's a misspelling. No, I do, he shouted. No, she doesn't fucking like you, you son of a bitch, yelled Draco. No, fuck you, motherfucker. She loves me, not you, shouted Vampire. And then he jumped on Draco. No, not in that way, you perv. They started to fight and beat up. <laughs> they started to fight and beat up each other. Dumbledore yelled at them, but they didn't stop. All of a sudden, a terrible man with red eyes and no nose flew in on his broomstick. He had no nose and was wearing a gray robe. All the glass in the window he flew through fell apart. Brittany, that fucking prep, started to cry. Vampire and Draco stopped fighting. I stopped eating. Everyone gasped. The drooms fell silent. Voldemort. Ebony. Ebony. <laughs> Darth Valor <laughs> said evilly in his raspy voice, Thou have failed your mission. Now I shall kill thou and I shall kill Vampire as well. If thou dost not kill him before, then I shall kill Draco too. Please don't make me kill him, please, I begged. No, he laughed crudely. <laughs> Kill him, or I shall kill him anyway. Then he flew away cackling. I bust into tears. Draco and Vampire came to contort me. Okay. <laughs> Her leg goes up here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly my eyes rolled up so they looked all cool and gothic and like The Undertaker. I had a vision where I saw some lightning flash and then Voldemort coming to kill Draco while Draco slid his wrist in a depressed way. Well, to be fair, he could just wait at that point. Yeah. No! I screamed sexily. Suddenly I locked up and stopped having the vision. Ebony, Ebony, are you sure you're all right? Asked Jericho in a worried voice. Yeah, yeah, I said sadly as I got up. Everything's all right, Anobi, said Vampire, all sensitive. No, it's not! I shouted angrily, tears of blood running down my face. Oh my fucking god, what if I'm getting possessed like in the ring too? <laughs> it's okay, girl, said Bloody Mary. Maybe you should ask Professor Sinister about what the visions mean, though. Okay, bitch, I said sadly, <laughs> and then we went. Chapter 24. Well, we had deviation next, so I got to ask Professor Trevorly about the visions. <laughs> 
Konnichiwa, everyone, come in, (laughs) said Professor Sinister in Japanese. She smelled at me with her gothic black lipstick. She's the coolest fucking teacher ever. She had long, dead black hair with blood red tips and red eyes. Her mom was a vampire. She also half Japanese because she speaks it and everything. She bloody married, get along great. She's really young for a teacher. Today she was wearing a black leather top with red lace and long gothic black ribbed dress. We went inside the black classroom with pastures of Emily the Strong. I raised my hand. I was wearing some black nail polish with red pentagrams on it. What is it, Enobi? She asked. Hey, I love your nail polish. Where'd you get it, Hot Topic? Yeah, I answered. All the preps who didn't know what Hot Topic was gave me very weird looks. I gave them the middle finger. Well, I have to talk to you about some things. When do you want to do it? How about now? She asked. Okay, I said. Okay, class fucking dismissed, everyone, (laughs) Professor Trevor Lee said, and she let everyone go. Except for you, Brittany. She pointed at Brittany and some other preps. Please do exercise one on page three. Okay, I'm having lots of visions, I said in a worried voice. I'm so worried Draco is going to die. Well, she gave me a black crystal ball to look in. I looked at it. What do you see? She asked. I said I see a black gothic skull and a pentagram. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. I looked at it. It was Draco. He was looking very sexy, wearing a black leather facet. Yep. Black gothic Lincoln Park t-shirt and black Congress shoes. Congress shoes. You know, Chuck Teeler's Congress. <laughs> uh, whoa. Whoa. The, the swear level is going off the charts here. Okay, you can go now. See a C-word, said Professor Sinister. <laughs> Bye, bitch, I said, waving. I went to Draco and Vampire. I was sitting next to him. We both followed Draco together, and I was so exhibited. Chapter 25. I was excited. It's like she heard her say I was so exhibited in the previous chapter. It's like, I need to correct this. Right, right. I followed Draco, wondering if we were going to do it again. We went outside, and then we went into Draco's black car. Ebony, what the fuck did Professor, Tr- Professor Trevor Lee say? Whispered Draco, potting his gothic wit hand with black nail polish on mine. She said she would tell me what the visions meant tomorrow. I grumbled in a sexy voice. Oh, wait, hold on. She told me what she, the visions would mean tomorrow. <laughs> he took out a heroin cabaret and spiked it and gave it to me to spork. That's the most buckwild sentence this has had so far. <laughs> He took out a heroin cabaret and spiked it and gave it to me to spork. I don't... Oh, man, that one's going to take some doing to really understand. That's... that's. I'm going to be honest. That's beyond me. <laughs> he started to fly the car into a tree. We went to the top of it. Draco put on some MCR. And all the things that you never ever told me and all the smiles that are ever going to haunt me, sang Gerard's sexy voice. We started tiling of each other's clothes fervently. He took of my black thong and my black leather bar. I took off his, uh, took of his black boxers. Then he put his throbbing you-know-what into my tool sexily. Oh, fucking God, Draco, Draco! I screamed, having an orgasm. We stitted Frenching passively. I suddenly fell asleep. <laughs> Draco, not that good then. That's, that's, that's a little rude. I started having a dream. In it, a black guy was shooting two gothic men with long black hair. Okay, I hope he means she means a man in black robes. I hope she means Kingsley. <laughs> 
He's like, Dumbledore got style. Bam. <laughs> no, please don't fucking kill us. They pleaded, but he just kept shooting them. He ran away in a red car. No, oh my fucking God, shouted in a scared voice. Ebony, what's wrong? Draco asked me as I woke up, opening my icy blue eyes. I started to cry and tears of blood went down my face. I told Draco to call Vampire. He did it with his black Lincoln Park mobile. But the worst thing was the people who were shot in the dream. They were Lucian and Sirius. Oh, no. Damn. Chapter 26. A few mutates later, Vampire came to the tree. He was wearing black leather Jackson, black leather pants, and good shroud t-shirt. Hi, Vampire, I said flirtily as I started to sob. Don't start to flirt if you're about to cry, okay? Okay. Draco hugged me sexily, <laughs> trying to comfort me. I started to cry tears of blood and then told them what happened. Ah, fuck it! Vampire shouted angrily. He started to cry sadly. What fucking dick did that? I don't know, I said. Now come on, we have to tell Dumbledore. We ran out of the tree and into the castle. Dumbledore was sitting in his office. Sir, our dads have been shot, Draco said, (laughs) while we wiped some tears from his white face. Inobi had a vision in a dream. (laughs) Dumbla Odor started to cockle. (laughs) And how do you expect me to not know Ebony's not divisional? I glared at Dumbledore. <laughs> Look, motherfucker, he said angrily as Dumbledore gasped. You know very well that I'm not decisional. Now get some fucking people out there to look for Sirius and Lucian. Porto. Okay. <laughs> okay. He said in an intimated voice. Where are they? I thought about it. Then all of a sudden... <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Longden, I said. I told him which street. He went and called some people and did some stuff. After a few mistunes, he came back and said people were going out looking for them. After a while, someone called him again. He said that they had been found. Draco, Vampire, and all all left to our rooms together. I went with Draco to wait in the nurse's office while Vampire went to slit his wrists in his room. We looked at each other's gothic derpers. Depressed eyes. Then we kissed. Suddenly, Sirius and Lucian came in on stretchers, and Professor Sinister was behind them. Chapter 27. Vampires will never hurt you. Oh, this one has a title. Okay. Oh, nice. Everyone in the room started to cry happily. I had saved them. Draco, Lucian, Sirius, Bond, Vampire all came to hug me. The nurse started to give them medicine. Come on, Anobi. They spelled that in a very... Okay. Said Professor Sinatra. She was wearing a gothic black leather dress with a corset top and real vampire blood on it and fucking black platinum boots. I have to tell you the fucking perdition. Okay. I looked at Lucian Serif's Drake and Vampire. They nodded. I smelled happily and went into a dark room. I had changed Professor Sinister, took out some black cards. She started to look into a black crucible ball. She said, Tara, I see Drac times are near, she said badly. It's the most accurate thing this has said so far. <laughs> she peered into the balls. <laughs> You see, you must go back in time. Marty! Marty, we gotta go back! 
She t- she took out a time toner like Bloody Mary had. When Voldemort was in Hogwarts before he became powerful, he got his hearth broken. Now, do you think he would still become Voldemort if he was in love? I shook my heart. I shook my head. You must go back in time and seduce yes. him. It yes. is the only way. If he's still yes. evil, then you must kill him. You can come to my room tomorrow and you can do it. Okay, I said sadly. We did. De- we did death's touch sin. That's the sentence. That's all it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I went outside again, sadly. What fucking happened? Asked Draco and Vampire. Yeah, what happened? Asked Darkness, Willow, and Boldy Mary. I was about to tell them, but everyone was there. They were celebrating Lucian and Sirius being fond. Everyone was proud of me, but I just wanted to talk to Draco. They were cheesing my name, and some reporters were there trying to interview Dumbledore. A banner was put up. Lots of fucking preps were obviously trying to be gothic or wearing the him sign on their hands, despite them never having actually heard of him. Even Mr. Norris looked happy. A black and red cake had been brought out. Crab and Goyle set up some fireworks in the shape of skulls from Weasley's Wizard Wises. I put on my invisibility coke with Vampire and Draco, and we sneaked outside together. To be continued. Holy oh, man. shit. Man, we, we, no, we, we traveled a little bit then. That, we time traveled, apparently. Uh, well, I think we're about to. Yeah. Which is exciting. Oh my god. God, I'm so pumped for that. I'm so happy that that's the way that they're going to try to get rid of Voldemort. Yeah. Through love. I mean, it's no, no violence. You don't need violence. Through love and love. sex. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's how that... That might be my favorite segment that we've done. That so good. Yeah. Uh, so what did you bring to the table? And I'm already saying it's not going to beat it. Love you, but... Well, <clears throat> well I mean, I'm not, I don't... I, I already admit I mean, it's probably not going to beat it, but I did find a pretty good one. Okay. Now, this one does have 14 chapters, so I'm not going to read all okay. 14 chapters. Well, what I am going to do is give everyone a little taste. Okay. So they can go out and find it on their own. Now, I do uh, feel like, I know sometimes you give a little disclaimer before yours. I'm going to give a little disclaimer before mine that none of these views are my own. Oh, that's a typical, no. oh, a typical no. disclaimer of uh, none of the views are my own. I do not um, agree with most all of this. <laughs> so I have to say that before that. Yes, um, thank and you. I, they're also not, I'm going to assume in advance, not held by the fun fiction producers, recorders, or editors. Right, exactly. All of which exactly. are me. So, yeah, please don't come after us. Now, um, that being said, there's a lot. We're going to explore some stereotypes tonight. Oh, no. If, that, if that's cool with you. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so we're going we're gonna to roll with this. So I'm going to start off with the author's note, which I think is going to give a good vibe for what we're going to be doing tonight. All right, so author's note. Hello, friends. My name is Grace Ann. I'm new to this whole fan fiction thing, but recently I've encountered a problem that I believe this is the solution to. My little ones have been asking to read the Harry Potter books, and of course I'm happy for them to be reading. Now, here's the kicker. But I don't want them turning into witches. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought... Why not make some slight changes, keyword there, slight okay. changes to these books to make them family friendly? And then I thought, why not share them with all the other mommies who are facing the same problem? Well, I, I, So, ta-da, I, here it is. I'm so excited to share this with all of you. So, without further ado, chapter one. As someone who's about to have a baby, I'm very happy that I'm going to have this in my back pocket to pull out with my children. 
You know, um, I you, I would save that statement. Okay, okay. For a little bit. Now, granted, now luckily these uh, these chapters are not long okay. at all. So um, we're going to start off with chapter one. And uh, what story doesn't start off with a solid once upon a time? Uh, once upon a time, there was a little boy named Harry Potter who lived under the stairs in a house on Privet Drive with his aunt and uncle. He was a good, obedient boy who did all his chores. But he felt that there was something missing in his life, something big and special, but he couldn't quite name it. He stayed up every night and wished for this something, this special something. But then one day, there was a knock at the door, and everything changed. Answer the door, Harry! His Aunt Petunia, a career woman, barked <laughs> from her armchair, where she sat with her feet up. She had short, curly blonde hair and never wore any makeup. Mm-hmm. Uncle Vernon nodded sheepishly from the kitchen and put a tray of moist chocolatey brownies in the oven. Shouldn't you be doing that? Harry thought, but he was a very obedient young boy, so he answered the door right away. He turned the brass metal doorknob and pulled open the heavy wooden door. On the porch was standing a huge, muscular man with a big, manly beard. And he was dressed in a plaid, red shirt, blue jeans, and sturdy leather boots. His chest was covered in a thick, unruly carpet of coarse brown hair. He wore a necklace that looked to Harry like a lowercase t. No foreshadowing there. Oh, no. Just looking at Harry. Oh, just looking at Harry felt happy, peaceful somehow. But he couldn't say why. Good morning, kiddo. The man greeted amiably, and he smiled at Harry. He had the peaceful, friendly sort of face you just knew you could trust. My name is Hagrid. Could I speak to your mommy and daddy? God. I don't have a mommy or daddy, Harry replied sadly and looked at his raggedy old shoes that were blue. Perhaps that is why he felt so lonely, he thought. Not for the first time. Maybe that's what he was missing, a mommy and daddy. But no, that was not quite right. I'm sorry to hear that, Hagrid uttered <laughs> empathetically. Your fucking Hagrid voice. <laughs> you can speak to my auntie and uncle, Harry retorted politely and blinked his big, blue, childlike eyes. What do you want? Aunt Petunia peered out the door with her narrow, suspicious eyes, and she was wearing a baggy, unflattering pantsuit. Hello, neighbor. I was wondering if you have been saved, Hagrid exclaimed brightly and tipped his wide-brimmed straw cowboy hat. Aunt Petunia laughed a gravelly laugh, <laughs> and leaned forward on her sturdy, practical boots. Saved? Don't tell me you're one of those Christians! Oh, God. <laughs> Harry did not know what that word meant, but Hagrid's smile was the most peaceful smile he'd ever seen. It made Harry feel warm and happy inside, just seeing the glowing, radiant grin on the kind, friendly stranger's face. He wondered why Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon did not smile like that. Yes, I am, Hagrid replied kindly. Are you? Hagrid laughed, uh, not Hagrid, sorry. Aunt Petunia laughed again (laughs) and stuck her pointy, sharp nose up in the air. We are too smart for that. Haven't you read Dawkins? God is dead. Dawkins proved that. Jesus Christ. Would you like us to educate you on the Dawkins? What is a Christian? Harry queried innocently and scuffed his shoe on the shaggy shaggy yellow carpet, which had not been vacuumed in quite some time. 
Christians are people who want to be good, Hagrid explained wisely, and crouched down so he was on eye level with Harry. We want to go to heaven after we die. Do you know what heaven is, Harry? Harry shook his head, and his eyes were wide and curious. Heaven is a beautiful place where we can be with God. Aunt Petunia smacked her hands over Harry's young ears, and her voice was sickly sweet when she said, Thank you very much for your concern, sir, but he does not need your religion. He has science and socialism and birthdays. <laughs> Haven't you heard of ev- <laughs> birthdays? <laughs> Haven't you heard of evolution? I have a very good textbook on evolution, and I could give you—I could give you it if you'd like to learn things. Hagrid laughed wisely. Evolution is a fairy tale. You don't really believe in it, do you? Yes, I do. Aunt Petunia screeched. Well, then prove it. Aunt Petunia could only stare at him, and her big mouth hung open dumbly. Here she thought she was so educated, and always demanded that Christians prove what they believed in, but she couldn't even prove her own religion. It was then that Harry knew who the smart one here was. Tell me how to get to this heaven place, Harry cried wistfully, clasping his hands together. Sometimes the wisdom of little ones is really amazing. We think we grown-ups know it all, but then God speaks through the mouths of the little ones and shows us how... We are all mortals struggling along the path of life. Humility. All you have to do is be saved. Do you want to be saved? I do, I do, Harry squealed, jumping up and down. Then pray the sinner's prayer. (laughs) Petunia tried to stop him, but she was powerless against Harry's pure, innocent, holy energy. Soon, Harry had said the prayer. Hagrid beamed happily. You're a Christian now, Harry. Hagrid cried proudly. Harry smiled, but then interrogated. But how do I be a Christian? I don't know how. I thought, you're a Christian, Harry. I'm a what? (laughs) A Christian. I'm just Harry. Just Harry. (laughs) Hagrid grinned widely. There's only one place to learn that. Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles. Author's note. So what do you all think? I may not be a professional writer, but I think I've been given the talent to pull this off in the service of a greater mission. Blessings. End of chapter one. <laughs> what do y'all think? Pretty good, huh? Oh god. I've I've did not read it all. Yeah. It gets pretty good. Um it gets pretty good. It gets to the point. So um I could keep I could read another chapter if you'd like. Uh yeah, yeah, go oh. ahead. I, I honestly yeah. thought it was gonna be on some Book of Mormon shit when you have Hello, my name is Brother Hagrid. Ding dong. And I would like to share with you this most amazing book. That's kind of how this, I think that's kind of how that first chapter went. Yeah. All right, this this second chapter is very short. All right, chapter two, New Horizons. (laughs) I'm not going to read the author's note. You guys, you got to just go back and read them. They're pretty long and, and, and tiresome. Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles? Harry queried and clasped his hands. Just at hearing that name, he felt such a sense of inner peace. He wanted to have more of that peace, and he wanted to learn how to be a good Christian. He was starting to think that peace and being a good Christian were, in fact, the exact same thing. I want to go there. Hagrid beamed widely. He had been praying so hard to save a soul today, and he was so happy to have saved the soul of such a sweet, earnest little one. The poor boy, being raised by two parents who were not Christian and and who both went to work and left him with a babysitter all day long. It was a good thing that Hagrid got there in time. Five years down the road, five years down the road, 
Harry might have been a fornicating, drug-addicted evolutionist. <laughs> don't, be, don't be silly, Harry! Aunt Petunia commanded her rung, and wrung her long, bony hands. Come back inside! I read to you about evolution from the Dawkins! You do not need that silly religion! Harry scrunched up his innocent little face, and he thought hard. Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon were as close to parents as he had, and this was the only home he knew. Could he really leave? But he was saved now. He had prayed the sinner's prayer. He could not stay home anymore, and not with that, not with what he now knew. Suddenly, he knew what he had to do. No, Aunt Petunia, he uttered calmly with childlike wisdom. Evolution is not real, and I'm going to Hogwarts. No, no, Harry, Aunt Petunia screeched desperately. I have an idea. You can have a second birthday today. You like birthdays, right? (laughs) Birthdays are not of God, Harry verbalized knowingly and looked at his aunt with innocent wisdom. You tried to corrupt me, but it did not work. But I forgive you, Aunt Petunia, because of Luke 2334. Yeah, uh, this is not an author's note. This is a tie note. He just learned about Christianity, and he's already quoting scripture. Yeah. That comes back later on. All right. Hagrid was amazed once again at the wisdom of little ones. He did not know if he could forgive someone who had hurt him as much as this woman had hurt little Harry. Deny him the truth? Who could be so cruel? But Harry did not even think twice about it. He forgave, just like that. Hagrid truly gained a new understanding of Matthew 19.14 that day. Do not leave, Harry! Dudley wailed childishly. (laughs) I must, Harry said, and stepped over the threshold. Goodbye, Dursleys! I hope you are saved too one day. And with that, he and Hagrid began to walk down Private Drive. I misspelled Private there. How will you get to this school, Hagrid? Harry queried curiously. We will pray, Hagrid retorted knowledgeably. How do we do that? Harry solicited inquisitively. Watch, Hagrid said, and he got down on his knees on the road. He motioned for Harry to get down on his knees too. Hagrid raised his hands to the heavens and cried out in a deep, thunderous voice, Dear Lord, take us to Hogwarts! Harry felt himself being whisked away, and in a moment he was sitting in the cool, damp grass outside of a humongous, beautiful castle. He looked in awe at the tall towers and the gray stones. What a beautiful place! A tall, thin man with a long, pointed beard and a beard and a big, wire spectacles stood in front of Harry. He was wearing a brown tweed suit and a nice matching hat. His shoes were made of leather and polished until they shone. He had a smile much like Hagrid's smile, so, so peaceful. Harry just knew he could trust him. A lovely, kindly young woman with flowing blonde hair and a pleasant, heart-shaped face stood beside this holy man. Hello there, little one, the man greeted amicably. I am the Reverend Albus Dumbledore, and this is my wife Minerva. Welcome to the Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles. Blessings. End of chapter two. Jesus Christ. Can I just say your Petunia voice I can see coming from like one of the people in Jabba's palace. (laughs) Well, I kind of think that Aunt Petunia kind of came from Jabba's palace. Yeah, I can see that as well. Also, this kid, like, is it revealed that like parent, like Harry's parents were killed by Satan or something? You know, I actually, I was skimming some of it. I don't even know if they talk about Harry's parents after this. Like, um, they, they're gone. But it does, it does, it, I'm pretty sure that whoever wrote this, uh, this Grace Ann who wrote this, um, only, like, read a short, short synopsis of the book. Yeah. Because it gets real, ba- real off 
kilter from here on out. Like, like Snape actually is an evolutionist, but he won't tell anybody, but then he gets saved near the end. Uh, yeah, kind of prim. I mean, stuff like that happens. I mean, obviously, Dumbledore's already married to Minerva McGonagall. Yeah. And, um... Again, I mean, I can read the next chapter if you want. I, I think we've gone about as far as possible. Yeah. And this no, is- no, I will give you. A, I'll give you a few tastes then. A few tastes okay. to, to to whet your appetite. Hermione is Dumbledore and Minerva's daughter. Okay. Uh, the Weasleys are Slytherins. What? Um, yeah, oddly, Draco's a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Luna's a Hufflepuff, and Harry is a Gryffindor. Now, um, the key is there's no real sorting. You get to choose your house. But you choose your house, and this is where the stereotypes come in. We're going to start, that's where the stereotypes really start to play. Because obviously this person has a, whoever wrote this, has a very, very skewed vision of Christianity, in my opinion. Yeah. Because the Slytherins are the are Catholics in, in, in this in oh, synopsis. Okay. Basically, basically, Dumbledore says that all four houses believe in God, but they, they do it differently. <laughs> so they don't get along. <laughs> they're, not all, they're not Gryffindors, which are the true and um, the truth, basically, they describe Gryffindor as as believing in the Bible and only the Bible, and um, how Catholics apparently um, uh, pray to idols and worship Mary and all these other things. And then Luna is a uh, vegan, oh, and no. that's what Hufflepuff House is—just a bunch of vegan uh, environmentalists. And then Ravenclaw is just a bunch of stuck-up people, and that's what Draco said. Um, but uh, I do want to see if I can find a couple lines. Okay. While you do that, I will say we didn't get to talk about Luna. But God, I right, love Luna. Yeah. How did we miss that? We miss Luna, and we miss the introduction of Tonks. So I think when my baby comes out, she's either going to be Luna or Tonks, and I'm like, I don't know which one I want more. To be honest, <laughs> like, like, sweetie, our baby's hair is pink. Oh wait, now it's blue. Now it's red. What happened? We had a Tonks. All right, here we go. Um, this is this is a great line here. Please ignore this fool, Draco draws smugly. Luna here thinks. She can have a career, even though she's a woman. And women are stupid. Oh, God. Harry gaped at this horrible person. What a mean thing to say. Women should not have careers because women are stupid, Harry shouted indignantly. Women are not stupid at all. Women should not have careers because women are nurturing and loving and their gifts serve them best in the home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just one of the lines. Good God, um, Ty. I know. I, I guarantee you, like, this is well worth the 14 chapters of reading. Um, look, um, this, is, this is the last one I'll read, just because I know that you'll appreciate this. So, Voldemort is basically, he's, uh, he's working with, he's trying to get Congress to outlaw Christianity. Oh, okay. And, and that's, that's why he's evil. That's why they don't like Voldemort. Um, so, um, yeah, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 here, here we go. Okay, so Voldemort apparently comes to Hogwarts disguised as Tom Riddle. Okay. So it's kind of like a flip-flop there a little bit. Um, so here comes, here's, here's Dumbledore. You're, you're still pretending to be dumb, the Reverend pointed out truthfully. We all know your plot to legalize Christianity, Voldemort. Voldemort blinked stupidly again and questioned evilly. Wait, is this about my Reddit account? <laughs> is that what you call your godless coven? Dumbledore cleared knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I have indeed seen your so-called Reddit account and just try to deny your hatred of Christianity when he posts things like, this is all misspelled, by the way. Okay. Christians all sucks. Their religion is stupid and should be illegal. I will write to Congress and let them make, and tell them to make law. Jeez. Harry Potter laughed intelligently because Voldemort did not even understand proper spelling and grammar. 
Good God. Yeah, so, um, yeah, apparently it all sp- starts from a Reddit account. You picked, like, the best one to to read right before I read mine about my gay Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> I just cleansed us after my immortal a yeah, little bit here. Yeah, that's so. what it was. So, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, it's it's good. It's great. It um, It's not good. Yeah. Uh, it really... T- if I would, I would. The, the main warning I would say is, if anyone out there who has no idea about Christianity, uh, please don't take this at face value. Yeah, <laughs> this is not what Christianity is yeah. about. So, just have that little, this little plug right yeah. there. But do you know what I'm all speaking of plugs? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about merch.aloneofpurebs.com. The website. Oh, I, I want to. Yes, let's do that. It's a website where you get shirt and cup. And many other things, all from the BS Network, whether you want something for Fight Boys or a load of BS or fun fiction, we've got merchandise available for you over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com, ladies and gentlemen. So now, Ty, after your great Christian endorsing thing, let's talk about my gay Slytherin son, who I love so much, Samuel Nails. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, he's, like, full... Snails is basically me. Like, the first um, the first one I wrote, I, I literally just stole all of my Pottermore stuff and put it on him. I'm like, his wand is my ex- the exact same as my wand. This is the same. <laughs> just plug all of this in. Uh, but as we learned on last episode, Snails is... Uh, apparently, he's coming to grips with his sexuality after kissing his lifelong friend Joshua Oak. And now... He has a boyfriend, and I'm very happy for him. Yeah. That's that's it's growth. That's character development. Yeah. So let's hear what happens to him. This. Oh, also, his dad may be a horrible Death Eater. Uh, let's let's see what happens this time. Mom, I'm I'm gay. These words fell out of my mouth after months of eerie silences, months of staring at mom from across a quiet dining room table. I still hadn't fully forgiven her for lying to me about dad, but I knew if anyone needed to hear this, it was her. What I didn't expect, however, was her response. Oh, thank God. I'm sorry? I thought you were going to tell me you were running away from home or that you had become a death eater or something. I, I, Son, I don't care. Voldemort's returned. The world is erupting in chaos. You can love whoever you want to. I burst into tears right there. Mom was right. Joshua and I loved each other. We had grown up together. He was the only thing convincing me that the world wasn't about to be destroyed. I ran and grabbed my mom in an embrace, and as her tears began to fall down her cheek, I realized a sad fact. That was the first time I had hugged her in two years. It was the most joy to fill the Nails household in a very long time. After that day, I began to invite Josh over and introduced him to Mom, and she loved him instantly. Although, she did chuckle a bit when I told her that he was a Hufflepuff. That was the happiest summer I had had in a long time, because no matter where Josh and I went, no matter how many looks we were shot from passerbys, we were safe there. Nobody cared. I just... I wish I could say the same for when I went back to Hogwarts. I mean, a few students... We're fine when we walked down the halls holding hands. Most just gave us raised eyebrows, but even more mocked us. It killed me inside to see students that I called friends last year immediately turning on me. But at least it was just the students. Most of the professors seemed fine with it. Dumbledore even smiled at us as he passed us by, but there was one exception, however. 
Mr. Nails and Mr. Oak, if you could pl- kindly move seats, Professor Umbridge announced loudly to the class. Joshua looked at me with a small smirk as he immediately began packing up his things. Wait a minute, why? We've sat by each other every day this year. I attempted to respond, but she wasn't having it. I just don't want you two to get distracted by one another. Heather, would you mind taking Joshua's seat? And with that, she sent a young Slytherin named Heather Pence towards me. She had developed quite early as opposed to the other girls in the class, and it seemed clear to me exactly what Umbridge was doing as the young girl swayed her hips and plopped down next to me. It was... It was gross, to say the least. When her efforts seemed to not work, things got worse. Umbridge moved Joshua from our class into another and did everything in her efforts to keep us apart. I barely got to see him for the first few months back in class, and Umbridge's reign of terror kept getting worse and worse. But, luckily, a few students began to take matters into their own hands. Nails! A voice called out from behind me one day. I turned and was in shock as Harry Potter stood right in front of me. I was surprised he still remembered my name, and we we only talked that one time in the library. You need to come with me. Potter led me through the halls until suddenly a massive doorway began to appear next to us. The very rock of the castle walls began to move and shift until it formed a massive entryway. The Room of Requirement. I commented quietly as the doorway slowly swung open to reveal several Hogwarts students all practicing smells and working on defense, something that Umbridge had slowly been phasing out from her defense against the Dark Arts classes in order to get us ready for our owls. I walked in, face painted with shock and awe, when suddenly the group of young wizards parted to reveal Joshua. I nearly collapsed right there. It felt like my heart was trying to jump out of my chest, and I followed its lead as I rushed towards him and embraced him. And they applauded. Every single one of those students in that room applauded Joshua and I, and I couldn't help it. I pulled back and gave him a massive kiss. It was like fireworks exploded above our heads. We both started giggling as we pulled away from one another. So, um, what exactly is this? I finally asked after calming myself. This is Dumbledore's army. We're working to train ourselves to fight Voldemort when he comes. Us? Fighting Voldemort. Harry's been training us. Joshua smiles as he takes me over to Potter once again. Face it, we haven't exactly had the best defense against the dark arts teachers. If anybody can teach you to defend yourself against Voldemort, wouldn't the boy who lived be your first choice? Fair enough. Joshua's voice convinced me. He was certain that Harry could protect us, he, that he could lead us to fight against Voldemort, and his certainty gave me certainty. And from that day forward, Joshua and I joined Dumbledore's army, and we trained hard. We learned several protection charms and different attacks to unleash on our enemies, and all of us in that room grew, grew closer as a result. Unfortunately, as we grew in power, the rest of the school seemed to weaken under um- Umbridge's grasp. You're joining the Inquisitorial Squad? I burst into the Slytherin calming room, confronting Malfoy. Yes, Snails. Do you have a problem with that? Look, I expected a lot out of you, but joining Umbridge? Working to rat out other students? It's like you've never met me at all. He responded with a smug grin that sent a shiver down my spine. I have met you, and I know that you're someone who respects power. Hell, as a Slytherin, I know that we all respect power, but exactly what kind of a power do you have playing second fiddle to her? I'll tell you. None. You're just a lapdog to that woman. And tell me, Snails, what kind of power do you have working under Potter? 
because at least at the end of the day, I know that I'm working for what's right and not some lying Gryffindor that's trying to cover up what he did wrong. What are you talking about? Think about it, snails. No one has seen or heard from you-know-who. The only person who claims that he's returned is Potter, the same person that was with Cedric Diggory when he died. Now, you and I both know just how competitive that man is. I mean, we've seen him on the Quidditch pitch. And you're telling me that there's not a teeny, tiny possibility that Potter saw Diggory about to beat him to the Triwizard Cup, and then Harry made a decision. A decision that ended the life of Cedric Diggory. That's... that's not possible. And then, when he emerged, he decided to give us all a little sob story about the return of he who should not be named in order to distract us and keep us off the trail of what he did wrong. You see, you think Umbridge is the bad person here. But she's not. She's the one defending truth, the one defending honor. All Potter's doing is sensationalizing each and every one of you into thinking there's going to be a wizarding war, that Voldemort has returned, when in reality, he killed Cedric Diggory and is trying to make himself a hero out of it. I... I, I, I can't believe that. I, I, I don't... Hey, guys, you might want to look at this. Crab screamed as he rushed into the room, wielding a copy of the Daily Prophet. Across the top was the headline, Mass Breakout from Azkaban. My heart fell into my stomach as I looked down the list of escaped Death Eaters, looking past Bellatrix Lestrange and Augustus Rookwood when my eyes landed on one single name. Gregory Nails. Well, Snails, looks like you're due for a little family reunion. N no. 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 No! I was screaming in the room of requirement. Joshua was trying to calm me down, but I wouldn't relent. I couldn't believe it. My father was free. I, I, I could meet him. I could get answers, but he could also kill me. I, all of these possibilities swirled around in my head until I screamed in pain and sent a massive bolt of energy from my wand straight into the back wall of the room, weakening the bricks around them. Sam, stop! Joshua finally grabbed me and held me tight, keeping my arms at my sides. I began bawling into his robes as the door finally opened behind us to reveal the rest of Dumbledore's army. Everything all right? Hermione asked quietly as she walked over to us and gave me a small hug. I held up the copy of the prophet and her eyes widened. We need to get to work fast. After that day, our lessons became, became more intense with Harry focusing on getting us ready to fight the Death Eaters. He taught us more advanced spells and helped us to find our Patronuses. Mine came out as a sparrow while Joshua's hopped across the floor as a small mouse. Unfortunately, thanks to the efforts of Draco and a few weakened bricks near the back of the room, we were soon exposed to Umbridge. And that was the death of Dumbledore's army. Or so we thought. You see, close to the end of the year, I saw Harry and a few members of the army, including Joshua, rushing through the halls of Hogwarts. I quickly joined them as they relayed their plan. Apparently, Sirius Black was being attacked by some unknown force at the Ministry of Magic, and it was up to us to fight him. I wasn't exactly sure why they wanted us to save Sirius. I mean, after all, he did help my dad escape from Azkaban, according to the prophet. But if Sirius was there, that meant my dad would be, too. It was my first time ever being in the ministry, and it was massive, to say the least. 
We made our way through the building when suddenly we came upon a massive room with large orbs sitting on pedestals, the Department of Mysteries. We finally found an orb that Harry claimed to be his prophecy, a mystery involving him. Before any of us could get a good look at it, however, black smoke began to pour from the sky as Lucius Malfoy appeared before us. I was frozen in fear as more and more Death Eaters appeared around us, each sporting terrifying metallic masks. A Death Eater slowly advanced on me when suddenly I heard Joshua call out, Confringo! And with that, a massive burst of fire shot out from his wand and sent the Death Eater flying back. I finally snapped out of my frozen stance as Joshua grabbed my hand and we began to rush throughout the halls of the Ministry of Magic. A few Death Eaters were on our tails. We need to get you out of here. What? Why? We have to help Harry, I responded as we quickly ducked behind a large pillar. You'll be no use to Harry if you're dead. He responds as suddenly a massive burst of magic erupts against the pillar, sending it crashing to the ground and bringing Joshua down with it. Josh! I cried out as I tried to pull him free from the rubble when suddenly another burst of magical energy connects with my shoulder and sends me crashing to the ground. It felt like my shoulder was on fire, tearing from my body itself. I tried to pull myself back as the Death Eater continued to advance on me, before pulling his mask away to reveal the face of a terrifying man, sporting a, do- a long, dark beard. Joshua Oak. The man laughed as his one good eye continued to stare at me. I've heard you're quite the wizard. Not as good as your father, I reckon. But I guess that's just what happens when you sp- spend your time kissing all over some filthy Hufflepuff mudblood. Don't you talk about him. I cried out as I quickly grabbed my wand and aimed it directly at his skull. He merely laughed at this and began to advance towards Joshua, holding his wand out ominously. Really, boy? You think you can do anything with that that I can't do ten times better and faster? He laughed ominously and then suddenly called out, Crucio! And with that, a bolt of energy struck Joshua across the chest and he began to convulse violently. His body heaved as it continued to stay buried underneath that rubble. I couldn't take it anymore. I slowly worked my way back to my feet as my rage built. The Death Eater seemed too amused with Joshua suffering to pay attention as my body began to fill with pure hatred for that man. I held up my wand and I screamed, Avada And suddenly, my entire body was being shoved to the ground by an unknown force. I struggled underneath their weight when from above me, I heard that figure call out, Petrificus Totalis! And a massive bright light exploded from above me. I grunted as I attempted to stand, trying to shove the figure off of me, but I suddenly felt its weight lifted. I stood up to see the Death Eater frozen in place as that shadowy figure made their way over to Joshua and slowly pulled him out from the rubble, casting some healing spells to fix him up. Who are you? I asked nervously when the figure turned towards me and began to advance, his face slowly becoming illuminated. It was old and weathered, with long, wavy hair flowing down to his shoulders. He smirked at me, his mustache curling up as it did. He walked over and gave me a small pat on the head as a, tear, as a tear began to run down my cheek. Dad? We've got a lot to talk about, kid. To be continued. And. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, boy. That's the bad yeah. thing is like, I will never get the response that my immortal does. Well, you know, it was it was one of those things. I think uh, one thing that you should you should think about is maybe releasing some of the 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 film of you reading it because 
I got entranced oh. watching <laughs> you read that. Entranced. I was like, yes, boy. So apparently his dad isn't bad. Who knows? Well, well, I mean, I mean, you can still be bad and love your kid, right? Yeah. Did you have the same? Because I did write in a tease of thinking that that original Death Eater was his dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm going to put this, but then I'm going to do the old switcheroo on him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's been something I've known from the beginning. So I've just been quietly sitting back like, nice. Mm, can't tell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm very happy that got to get out for Joshua. And I'm happy you joined yeah. me, my boy. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you if you would like them to find you? Well, I mean, we, uh, I don't know if we can spread the news, I guess. Uh, Birmingham has its first improv theater now. I'm super hyped because you also said there's a podcast studio. <laughs> yes, we are putting a podcast booth in. We're going to be teaching classes. We're teaching stand-up, improv, comedy writing. We're going to be doing shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. So all kinds of improv. And and where would, if they had to find that online, where would they find it? BirminghamImprovTheater.com. Now, are you teaching... And theater, theater, R-E, not E-R. Yeah. Now, are you teaching podcasting classes, and do you need someone, boy? (laughs) Well, you know, that's actually something we haven't talked about, but if we do, I know exactly the man to find. You know where I'm at, boy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, buy all my books on Amazon, the Quasal Corp trilogy, BS versus the Gods, so check that out. Check out all the other shows at a load of pure BS dot com including the return of a load of bs we defeated the podcast illuminati we did a giant musical because of it it was insanity so check that out ladies and gentlemen a uh, little bit of uh, uh show notes we are now moving to a bi-weekly show so now instead of being weekly it's going to be every two weeks instead of every one week just so i can keep finding awesome guests like ty to come on here ladies and gentlemen well, and it builds a little bit. It builds the suspense a bit. Yeah. You know? I gotta wait Gotta wait two more weeks to, mm-hmm. to learn more about My Immortal. Yeah, and so check that out. Check out, uh, make sure to donate to our Patreon to keep this going. Make sure to check out all our merch at merch.loadofpurebs.com and subscribe, rate on iTunes, do all that good stuff. But until next time, Ty. Yes, absolutely. Do you know, do you know the words to end the magical spell to end every show? Oh, God. It's a warning. To stay away from a certain individual. A certain young individual. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever finished an episode. My f- I've gotten to this <laughs> point. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. My favorite. You know, I do listen to this at work. <laughs> Sometimes I have to get it off real quick. My favorite thing about having guests is each time being like, and then we end every show by telling people, stay away from baby Hitler. I, I love it. I love it. Little Umbridge, stay away from her. Yes, exactly. Little little Mike Pence. Yeah. <laughs>